0: So Kevin, thanks very much for coming on. Um, suppose have you, have you been finding the the last few months of suppose we're all in lockdown now? Yeah, well,
1: n- not too bad really, because um, I think you know I come from a military background, so being in lockdown is can be very like to a certain degree overseas life when you're mm. uh, out far in our uh, when we were young fellows training the cadet school was. Fairly full on now when it came to lockdown. It was like a rough boarding school, if you put it that way. When you went in there, it could be a couple of months before you got out again. So um, at the beginning, I think we we're up at here as a family, up around day 60 or something like that. And uh, at the beginning, it was fine. And it still is fine. I mean, we're healthy and it's fine. But just having very little to look forward to in terms of an event, you know, a, a party, a trip. Uh, a match you know that's a that sort of thing you know the things that you'd have in your diary to say oh god I have that wedding in two months time or that big match in Dublin in four weeks time or or whatever you know there's no Sunday game even though it's going out tonight now in the kind of a magazine show but there's no live matches uh, in my world in the Gaelic football world and, and all the other events you know meeting your friends for a beer and all that they're all kind of so it's kind of getting it's getting a little bit for even somebody like myself now who would be fairly easy going about this, I'm just beginning to get to or just I'd love something to be looking forward to.
0: Yeah, I suppose I think I'm missing most probably sports, but how are you finding that? I think, yeah, this weekend would have been the, the proper start of the championships. So, um, I, are you missing Gaelic football?
1: Well, I, I am. I mean, it really, uh, and, and all my friends, you know, like we're obviously texting each other and I'm texting the lads up in RTE as well about, you know, what are the possibilities and like it's looking very much like now there's going to be no, what we call live football um, and very likely to be none this year, really, if the truth was told. But in fairness to GA, they're just kicking it down the road a little bit saying, you know, well, we might get something going in September, October. But again, as we said there just before we started, our conversation without the vaccine you know yeah. to congregate reckless you know and um especially in an amateur uh environment which gaelic football and gaelic games are um are, are uh, it is uh an amateur environment um you couldn't it'd be see, it would be just reckless i mean if a player went home and uh, you know was uh, was to infect grandparents or anything like that you know it'd be just it'd be totally unacceptable so it's very difficult to see what might happen uh, um it's, it's very difficult to visualize Gaelic football which is my my number one sport but all sports you know I've even seen the Bundesliga now um which club was it had just tested positive and they've all been put into quarantine one of the clubs um tested I, I can't remember it now was yeah. it Bremen maybe you know, that's the problem yeah that's a huge issue you know and uh, uh gaelic football is very much a contact sport so i would say we have to nearly get the old red marker out and draw a line through season 2020
0: yeah i suppose people were talking about even behind closed doors would that even work since we're an amateur organization as well
1: it's not it's, i don't think it's even that Dara. like if uh, playing playing with no no um audience or no crowd or supporters you know even when you were underage we think about it there was always 30 or 40 yeah. around the sideline or outside the fence and then when you go to a higher level of the game you know when you're playing in stadia and the idea of playing a match in an empty stadium you know certainly a match of significance all right playing a challenge match uh, in an empty stadium in fact managers are always trying to have a challenge match in an empty stadium, throwing yeah. anybody looking at them, but uh, when it gets to be about a game of significance, um, players, everybody thrives on the buzz of, of a crowd, and uh, you would you just wouldn't get the same standard, you wouldn't get the same buy-in, and ultimately, the GA have uh, essentially intimated that it's, it's not a runner, the players don't want it, the supporters don't want it really. Um, uh, and the administri- administration don't particularly want it. I, I think it just wouldn't work for us because our game is really hinged around passion and energy and enthusiasm and that big buy-in from the crowd. Uh, I, I'd have, uh, certainly, as a manager or a player, I,
0: I'd have no interest now playing in an empty stadium. Yeah, I suppose it would have that sort of training ground, sort of challenge match feel, and you wouldn't have the sort of same intensity that you'd want to say in an All <laughs> Ireland final.
1: Yeah, well, could you imagine on Ireland final, and yeah. two hundred people dotted around Crow Park? You know, no, it wouldn't work.
0: I um, suppose just a brief word. We had a couple of rule changes um, this year. It's what well, the main one, probably the advanced mark. Would you be in favour of that?
1: Um, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I, I've always said, Dara, that I, I'm not mad about conferring advantage on uh, players by virtue of their height or weight. I don't think that's a good I don't think that's a good basis or starting point for any rule. And obviously uh, the advance mark would favour a taller player. You know, it just would. Um, Now that doesn't rule out that the smaller player could also take advantage. Um, He could. But the main advantage, you certainly wouldn't be taking in a high ball into the Area of the goal mouth with a five foot eight full forward in there, you know. Um, but having said that, something needed to be done in terms of getting the foot back into football, um, and I'm willing to have a look at it. I have an open mind about it. What's very interesting is you, and again, it's interesting that's the first one you kicked off with in terms of the rule changes, the advance mark. But that was the one we all thought would shake it up but the uh, empirical evidence in the leagues, uh, I know we only had two or three rounds now, um, suggested, in fact, that it was hardly been taken up at all. You know, very few teams had uh, either entertained it or got to grips with it. Um, Now, it would be a rule change for better weather, that makes sense. You know, as the ground hardens and the weather, a dry ball as you head towards May and June and July, it would be a rule that You'd imagine would be better executed. The the other two rules um, were the ones that have were were making a major significance in the early parts of the league and the um, provincial the provincial leagues. Uh, so I, I'm willing to back this. I'm willing to you know I wait out you know jury's out on it for me. Um, I I don't think it's going to have a major impact unless we see one or two of the top teams really exploiting it and. You know, when we closed down there at the, what was it, maybe the middle of January and end of February, whenever it was. Oh, it was March. No, it was into March, wasn't it? Um, mm. there was a round of league matches due that weekend that were stopped. Um, You know, to up to that date, it really wasn't, it wasn't a significant player.
0: Yeah, I suppose on average, probably even watching games, you might have two, three in a um, match.
1: I, lower, no, I'd say lower. Um, probably, average. yeah, probably, it,
0: yeah. Both teams just haven't really perfected it yet. I mean, they haven't been put the time into it. But if you had a Dublin that could get Dean Rock three, four marks uh, a match, you know, it just could make a huge difference altogether. Well,
1: bear in mind that while you'd be, uh, the, the rule tries to encourage high fielding, the coaching aspect of it, of course, will be that the defender at all costs. Must at a minimum break the ball, mm. so that's what the coaches would be saying. You know, so the idea of getting clean runs at it and making uh, majestic catches just outside the the small uh, rectangle, uh, I I don't see a, I don't see a big future for it because the defenders, no matter what they do, will not let you catch it in there. You know, um, they'd foul you before they'd let you catch in there. because it's going to be the same difference. If they catch it, they get a free shot. If you foul them, yeah. get a free. The same risk assessment the defender makes does, does that make sense yeah yeah yeah. so no I, I think the other two the sin bin and the the goalkeepers uh, kick out well not necessarily the goalkeepers of course but the kick out could be could be taken by a defender of course but um, the sin bin is the big one that is the one that's going to have the biggest the biggest influence because uh, teams will come to terms now uh, with the fact that we're we're a man down we can't replace them for the 10 minutes um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if we had had a full league, but we won't have that now. We won't have the evidence. We won't have the statistics of a full league campaign, but it was definitely shaping up that when you went down a man, and others, when, uh, when you got a black card, your team were suffering, very similar to rugby, uh, and rugby have absolutely now over the you know the, um, the last five, six, seven years, they can tell you now in that Sinbin period But on average, and I'm quoting off the top of my head, but on average, you know, seven and a half points are scored against you, you know. So they know uh, that the sin bin, you know, has comes, attached to a sin bin is, one, the idea that you're going straight into defensive mode now. You won't be doing too much attacking. And while you're defending, you're likely, well, certainly in Gaelic games, I would imagine, to give away two or three, four points during that period. So that will hit home. And once that hits home, hits home on a team or to a coach or a manager, he'll make sure that uh, his players are very much aware uh, of how the sin bin has to be managed. Um, and all sorts of different methods of running down the clock if you do get the, the sin bin, if you do get the black card. But of course, in the, in the first instance, the coach will be trying to avoid you getting the black card at all. So that's where the discipline will be required. And you'll see a big jump in discipline. I have no doubt. I, I think that's the biggest area that the new rules would affect.
0: Yeah, I suppose the thing with the old one was six, seven minutes ago, if you pull a man down and you're getting a sub on anyways, for a top team like Dublin Kerry, you'd be getting just a fella just as good as the one that's coming off.
1: Yeah, and, and, and
0: uh, for sure,
1: um, that was part of the thought process. You know, this famous one, taking one for the team. Like I, You'd nearly be naive not to consider doing it. And um, even though there was um, there was a lot of negativity surrounded uh, anybody that did it, as in, oh my God, what a dreadful thing to do, you know. The, the reality of it was, if you were a team member, or team management, you knew exactly what had to be done because the rules essentially allowed it. Dara, and uh, at least this is a bit of an effort, even though, um, even though I think uh, you could argue that uh, the player will do it now more readily almost because he knows he's coming back after 10 minutes that's another angle now that hasn't been teased out yeah. either you know in an All-Ireland final would you pull down a fella with 20 minutes to go knowing you know at the crucial part of the All-Ireland you're going to be out of it even if you're doing it for the team there's a small bit of the self and the ego would come in and say I want to be part of this right down to the wire um, whereas now with the new rule you know you're coming back after 10 minutes Mm-hmm. And um, so, again, the argument is you know, it can be argued um, that uh, what should have happened was the replacement would have been by somebody else after 10 minutes. But uh, the rule is in now, it is what it is.
0: Yeah, so I suppose we move on to your time with um, the Wisconsin senior football team. Um, you came in in 2016 with Fergal O'Donnell, I suppose. What made you want to go into county management?
1: Um, I'd say, Dara, it wasn't something that was consuming me. Let me put it that way. Um, I had a sense that I would like to do it. I'd had a go uh, at the Mayo job previously, uh, twice, in fact, in uh, 1996, late late 95, 96, that season. And and then in 2014, and had been unsuccessful on both occasions. So I kind of felt, well, look, it is what it is now, and um, we're not. It's just not going to happen. Um, I had uh, essentially accomplished whatever I wanted to do in club football in terms of county championships or or Connacht championships, or and then, and then we got lucky enough to win the All Ireland, obviously, with Bridgets. So I kind of felt, you know, uh, in, in terms of club football, you know, I had I had had a great experience. Um, I'd won counties with a few different teams, and uh, so the next step really was was inter county, um, but it just hadn't happened. And then I got an opportunity uh, with Roscommon, um, and it was a. I had to think about it for a little while because I was with RT at the time, and I knew obviously um, that would mean resigning from RT. But w- I think the itch was there. You know, I just wanted to test myself. Um, And Roscommon was a great opportunity. You know, they were an up-and-coming team, um, and certainly their graph was going to be upwards rather than downwards. That's the way I felt about it. And um, then I kind of cajoled and coaxed Fergal to come in along with me. Um, So it looked like we were really set up, and we, we, you know, we had a strong enough panel. Could have been stronger. We were still missing a few lads we wanted, but um, we had a strong enough panel, and uh, we got off to a great start. Uh, in that National League, got to the, league, the National League semi-final that year, um, but at a very a very average championship. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose when I look back on, on it, it probably was just to challenge myself. You know, I, 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 I've been with RT a long time at that stage, nearly 20 years, and I suppose I just wanted to have a go at something different. And, um, and maybe there was a bit of me trying to prove myself uh, seeing as I hadn't got the Mayo job. I'm sure there's a bit of that in everybody. You know, you 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 um, you always want to prove yourself, uh, to the home nation if you want, and uh, there was a, there was an element to that, um, but I think primarily it was uh, to challenge myself to see could I operate at that inter-county level, and uh, like it's a very it's a very difficult level of the game to be comfortable in. In fact, you can't really be comfortable in it because the challenges are daily, and there's so many moving parts, um. But yeah, it, it was it was a great opportunity, and I was very very happy to
0: to get it. Well, in terms of the first year, how much emphasis did you put on staying up in the national league? Because West had had me playing Division One football for so long. Was that the thing? Stay up at all costs?
1: Uh, it was a big part of it, definitely, Darry, Yeah, um, but that's not to say uh, we were throwing our hat at a Championship or anything like that. We knew we had a decent draw. And it was likely we were to get to a comic final. But in the first instance, we felt to to bed down the team. Um, and for the team to gain experience, there was one place was best suited for that team. And that was Division 1. You know, that's where all the top teams were. And um, the difficulty for, for Roscommon, of course, coming from a low base, you know, you have to remember that only a few years earlier, Roscommon were playing in Division 4 there, you know. Yeah. And uh, they had jumped a few divisions under John Evans in quick succession. So uh, the background, you know, in terms of experience, I doubt anybody on that squad had played Division I football. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a big jump to make in, in, a, in a player's career. So the best way we felt of uh, making that leap was to be in really good shape, to be competitive in the league. And uh, we started very early with, with, with tough training, hard training, not outrageous, I don't think, but uh, training, physical training at another level. And again, that was all part of the new regime as well, you know, because the team had trained at a certain level for Division 3 and Division 2. And you get away with a lot of, you know, a lot of deficits in those lower divisions. But at the higher division, you don't get away with anything really. And uh, so we hit the ground running. We were in great shape for that. Um, it was a credit to our, our backroom team had had the team in great shape. Uh, we had a nice camaraderie and morale in in the group and yeah, and we got some great results. We really tore into it, and there were really buzz times for us common supporters and players and, and ourselves in and management like we were winning big games would big Kerry for the first time in in our history. Um, Went away against Donegal, I remember that one. We hammered Cork, remember that? Um, so, like, these were very strange results yeah. uh, for us common, if you like. Um, and, and it was great, it was a fantastic time. Um, but then, our box in the league semi final, you know, we were really put back in our box by Kerry, who just savaged us in 10, 15, 20 minutes of football. And that certainly was an awful kick in the teeth.
0: Yeah, I suppose the Kerry one. You actually lost the last three league games in a row. If you like Mayo, Dublin, Kerry. I think the Mayo one was that one that sort of knocked you back a bit as well, because maybe yeah. Mayo were battling relegation, and people were talking, it was a common team on the rise. Mayo probably towards the end of their time was that a big sort of knockback as well? Uh, it
1: was. Yeah, well spotted. It definitely was, Dara. Um, and the funny thing is, the way you've you've Painted it was the way we were painting it to our players that we were the common team, and you know these were the old 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 cowboys now that had to be knocked off their perch, and uh, we certainly built ourselves up big for that game. But the funny thing is, just to to look forward for a second, that Mayo team in 20, went on a year later in 2017 to be within you know seconds of winning the All Ireland. Mm-hmm. So they weren't at the end of the road, even though we were trying to muscle in on their territory, if you like. Uh, and we had the opportunity in the hides. we knew in the, in the build-up that week, to um, relegate Mayo, which would have been a very important moment for us. And we built up to it accordingly. And it was a horrible day. I mean, the, the pitch was, oh, the pitch was a disaster. It was really, like it should never have been played. really. Um, and, but that's not an excuse we, it was our home patch with a huge crowd at the game and we wanted to put on a show of of endeavour and uh, tenacity if not skill whatever was demanded but Mayo were obviously well up for it too because number one they wanted to stay in the division and number two they, they wanted to put on a marker there's no doubt uh, both to Common uh, and myself perhaps as a as a, an ex-Mayo player, and, and Liam perhaps as well, to say, hang on, uh, the big boys are in town still. And and they just pawed us around the place that day. That was very disappointing because we thought, you know, uh, physically we would have a real cut at them. But it became very obvious that physically there was massive gap between the, those top three, four teams and where we are. So the road ahead was going to be a long one. You know we, we couldn't make up in four or five months you know what Mayo had been at since 2011 i suppose they've been at it five six years we read it you know now maybe that's a bit unfair to the previous management because i know they had made strides in terms of conditioning as well but if they did you know there were strides in division two and division three this was now big boys uh school if you like and um so yeah, we knew there was a we knew there was a gap, and yeah, that was that was definitely a, a, a downer that day. But I think we had we had Dublin next then, and yeah. we put up a really good show against Dublin up in Carrick again. Our pitch was rained off, and um, we were in good. And, and that was a game we could have won, which would really have boosted our morale. Um, we certainly should have got a, a draw. As I remember, um, Karen Murta had a, had a chance to level it at the end, and he played a great match that day. It was an awful pity. I think he just slipped as he was coming into kicked the ball out of his hands from a free. Um now you couldn't blame him because the pitch was in muck up there as well. But uh, it would have that would have been a bit of a morale booster. But the, the defeat at Crow Park by Kerry ultimately was the one that really uh knocked us for six. Like we were we were we couldn't I, I didn't see it coming. In fact, um we had been contemplating maybe in the build up that maybe Kerry wouldn't be as interested in going on to a league final as we might be. And you know that our energy and enthusiasm of being in Crow Park for the first time in a while you know might might drive us on odds that they they absolutely walloped us, you know they just went for the juggler immediately,
0: and uh, I think they had two or three
1: goals in jig
0: time Yes, yeah, so I suppose I think a week or two later you go to New York. do you think the wheels were already sort of coming off at that stage were you just on a very low Sorry, um, and then you have to play in New York now I suppose you're still thinking you're going to comfortably win but it didn't turn out like that
1: um, yeah I think we did think we'd comfortably win I mean every team that goes to New York thinks they'll you know, they're, obviously they're going to win the game that's the number one but I think it, in fairness it's, it's, you're not being overconfident to think that you you should be winning comfortably yeah. and you should and you're up against a team that's you know kind of put together in six to eight weeks and here you are you know, together maybe after three, four years, like, you should be well ahead of the New Yorks and Londons. Um, But I suppose the big thing was that the last few games in the league, and especially the semi-finals, were now telling us, you know, we weren't sure about players, you know, who who was up to it and who wasn't up to it. Like, what we thought were givens early on in the league, as the other teams got fitter and stronger, there was now question marks over... Uh, number one, our approach, you know, had we gone out too early, trained too hard? Number two, had we the right players in the right places? Was it just, there was question marks around so much, Dara, uh, and it was hard to get uh, a, a firm read on any of it. So we certainly went to the States a, a bit unsure, quite a bit unsure of ourselves, but at the same time, sure, we were going to win, get back home, uh, take on Sligo or Leitrim, whoever it was at that stage, and build towards the final. Like, we, the, the season wasn't gone from us or anything like that, but then the performance in New York was so abysmal that, you know, we knew we were now in, you know, and we were in real danger of imploding um, if we didn't get our season back on track f- fairly quickly. And in fairness to the lads, uh, they did. We'd, a, we'd a wobble against Sligo, wasn't it? it was, yeah, we'd a wobble against Sligo in the quarterfinal, but ultimately beat them well. Uh, and then we beat Leitrim, and like bear in mind, for all the question marks around us, we still drew with Galway in the county final. Yeah, uh, away from home, you know. And the terror of that, you know, and I'd say it always, I would say it for that team and for that management. Like the terror of it was that we didn't have the replay in the hide. You know, right. it was enough, and that was totally our fault, Russ Common's fault, because we'd no pitch capable of having it, and that was terrible for a young team. We'd go down to Castlebar for the replay um, and again I'm, I'm just giving you realities uh, when that drawn kind of final uh, when the whistle was blown in that drawn match in Galway we had, we had the ball and we were on the attack we were down in the right corner Donny uh, Shine and a few, a few of the lads were trying to work uh, work an angle to get a shot off but, but unfortunately couldn't now, the weather conditions were very poor and we were against the wind and they were trying to work a position to maybe shoot a winner but um, so like we'd given a good account to ourselves we you know against um, a Galway team we were taken out Mayo. Uh, we drew with them and um, but it was the next two matches then the replay and the clear match that put the tin hat on the screen
0: yeah I suppose you get hammered pretty much in the, the replay I think it was 11 points I suppose you get the dreaded six days turnaround then against Clare but you still kind of think Clare on paper it's a game that you still can, you can win I suppose for sure,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, uh, in fairness, uh, we, tried to, we tried to patch up the, rest, uh, the, uh, the kind of final replay because uh, we would only the six days. And, and, and again, when, when you have a massive defeat Dara, like that, and, and again, that game was over very yeah. fast. We were in there for pride at halftime, really. Um, when you have a big defeat like that, it asks questions of every aspect of the setup the team, the management, the training, the coaching, you know everything gets thrown up on the table. But the problem here is you only six days to tidy things up. Um, so we knew we were vulnerable and um, we had huge question marks over um, half the team, I would say. So the selection process for the clear game was gonna be a tough call for all five of us in management. And and we and we we made our calls and we put out what we we thought was the best we could. Um, some people were happy with it. Some people were not happy with it. Um, and the proof of the pudding uh, was that ultimately we couldn't ri- rise our game. Raise our game to be clear. who We thought you know, um, four times out of five we would be beating, and we were well beaten. You know, you know, we were just out. We had no energy. We had no no enthusiasm for the fight. Um, And uh, that was a difficulty for us, you know. Um, And uh, I I know personally, I had some issues with the selection. Um, I know Liam had, I know Fergal had, you know, we all had. Uh, We all had issues with it because not enough players were nailing down the positions. And therefore, you know, whether I pick you or me or someone else, you know, all of a sudden there's five fellas in contention for every place when at that time of the year, that's not the way it should be, you know. You really should have thirteen lads, fourteen lads nailed down, and one or two lads just fighting for a small gap that might be in the in the in the team. So yeah, we were uh, at the end of that season from, you know, what started off fantastic. Uh, the the last few league matches, um, and the last
0: uh, few championship matches
1: had it had put us back to the bottom of the hill, really
0: suppose, did you know after that clear loss that one of you or Fergal would have to maybe step aside or were you in the mindset that we're both going to continue this on next year?
1: I would, I would say the latter. I, I, I was fairly sure uh, the two of us would, would uh, drive it on the following year but that things would have to change. You know, the, And I wasn't sure what that change would look like and I'd say Fergal was probably the same. I think he knew also things would have to change um, I thought if, you know, the big changes would probably come in the panel rather than in management. And as it transpired, it came in both. Um, and I think that the, the way we agreed to go about it was we'd all take a break and s- sit back from it for a week or two. And then we would both review it in great detail. Uh, and this was the more uh, detail I went into in terms of players and managements and how the, how the game was evolving for us and the different philosophies we had. Um, and this whole idea of um, two managers, uh, when I went through it and thought about it and reflected on it, I came to the conclusion that it wasn't going to be possible to continue, that one of us was going to have to, have to step aside, that it was better for us common if there was a single, a single manager. And, and I'm fairly sure I was right about that, you know and that's not to say it had to be me now um but i'm sure i was correct about a, a, a single manager and that's you know i would advise anybody going into the future and that's not to throw now aspersions uh, on on either of our characters um we were both there for uh, the best of reasons but it's just difficult to work out um when it's because you have different ideas about things even when you're closely aligned you still have different ideas about things. And so that was a tough moment there, as you can imagine. Very, very tough moment. And um, the, the idea we kind of agreed among ourselves was that we would uh, we would both contest it and open up the contest to others. If, you know, see could one of us gain the confidence of the county board, because it transpired. Uh, I was the only candidate left in the field after a few weeks of the process. Um, Fergal didn't run again and Nigel, Nigel Deneen pulled out late in the process. Um, so uh, I ended up then the, the sole manager going into 2017.
0: 20, 20, 20, yeah. Do you feel more pressure, I suppose, that Fergal had walked away? Um, and I suppose I think the case here and one was like, you're from Mayo, he's from Roscommon. Do you feel even more pressure um, in your first year as a Sorry, as a loan manager?
1: Well, um, losing Fergal and, and, and David Casey and Stephen Bone, like, that wasn't adding to the pressure. That was, that was just very disappointing. You know, that was like, that was a just, that was tough on all of us. I mean, it's not what you wanted to happen uh, when you started off on the journey. It, you know, it was kind of, it was just very hard for us to, to figure a way forward because they were a massive part of. What we had been in 2016 like some of the big initiatives and some of the real heavy lifting those lads had made significant contributions to them in some cases led the contribution um so that was that was hard and you know obviously on a personal level it was very hard for me very very difficult for me because it was my decision ultimately and um, so I can't hide behind anyone else's uh coattails um but uh, there was a lot of pressure. Uh, the the Gishering thing was way down the road at that stage. Like that was that that was going to happen six months later, perhaps. And um, but I knew I knew the the the, the big disappointment, Dara, was that uh, in the tidy up after twenty sixteen, my view is is essentially the county was split, if you like, and those that were uh, pro. Uh, my group uh, are are anti it and um, and to a certain degree uh, a lot of the players were were um, finding it difficult to align themselves with one or the other as well you know and that's quite understandable because um, a lot of them had played under Fergal and uh, were very loyal to him Um, and I understand that totally but you know I, I think as I said to them at one stage you know you have to move on now you either you know on the bus or you're under the bus. That's the way it has to be. Um and most most people were able to keep going, some weren't and, and moved on. And then we took that opportunity uh to uh have a go at the panel and see could we get some energy and new blood into the panel and and that was very tough as well. I mean that was so there was nothing easy going on in, in my management life at that time you know every every week you know, it was a tough week. And then, you know, the media side of it was tough. You know, the honeymoon was over now, big time. Um, and so the the national press were difficult, you know, uh, not nasty, but, you know, the perception out there now was that we were in some sort of chaos. And that was hard to, that was hard to, to, um, to beat. Uh, the. And then within the group, you know, there was a lot of people unsure about, uh, where the whole thing was going. So, you know, I, I had a massive job of work on. There's no doubt about that. And, uh, and I would say the county board were well split as well about whether they were with me or against me, as they say. And uh, and then we got off to a very poor start in in the league. But we were in Division 1, Dara. So, I mean, I yeah. was very realistic about what was going to be possible. You know, we were we, we had a new team, a new squad, essentially. We You know, we um, let seven or eight. Maybe more go. Others had left of their own volition, um, so we had a lot, a lot of new faces. And so you know, we realised very early, um, myself and Liam and Joe, that Division One was going to be was going to be very difficult. And therefore, we made the decision that we were not going to uh, sacrifice everything for Division One status. That there was a bigger year in terms of the championship because the draw once again had been very kind. So we had a big eye on that, um, and so we went through it, but it was difficult because we were getting pure all hammerings now from uh, a lot of those teams. And uh, the night then, the Mayo night, we we're down at Bar when Mayo gave us an awful tanking, um, that was the night Gay uh, uh, had a cushion. You know, I think we, uh, he, he begs to differ on his, uh, his, um, his criticism. He thinks it was valid and, and so on, and that's okay if that's 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 what he feels about it. Um, obviously I don't agree with it, and um, but that's not to say we haven't—I won't say made up—but we've we've got over that, and we've 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 exchanged texts uh, since that and so on. There's no no big deal now; life goes on there. But at the time, it was certainly um, unwelcome, because it added, you know, it brought. The whole thing to boiling point and perhaps that was that was the uh, the incentive I don't know um, but it certainly did bring it to boiling point because now you know I was my management whether I bring the team into the championship or not now was the next big question to be answered so in fairness to Seamus Sweeney it, he was the chairman at the time still, still is actually and um, in fairness to Seamus he uh, he made it clear that I was going to see, see it out to championship and, you know, I had said to him back in when I'd taken over the job, you know, don't be pinning anything on Division 1. All we can promise is that we are going to have a serious cut at the Connacht Championship. And that was being realistic. I think, you know, if all us common supporters had stood back, that was the best we could hope for. I mean, to think otherwise, you know, uh, was being, well, you know, hardly hardly looking at the tables and, and being being fair to yourselves I mean there were some serious teams in that division so uh, we got a win I think in our last match of the year of the season the big season against Cavan and that kind of bought a little bit of breathing space and then as you know then the championship was upon us.
0: yeah I suppose since the league um, I suppose it didn't go great when got relegated got the win against Cavan but did you feel because it didn't go good that you really had to push it up to Galway this year and not take another double-digit sort of loss again?
1: Oh, there was huge pressure to 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 uh, perform. But again, you see, Derek, I, I can't... Nobody can say, you know, that we're going to beat Galway or we're going to beat no. Mayo. Like, you can't promise these things. All you can do is that this is where we're concentrating on, this is where our focus is definitely going to be on and we're going to do better than we did last year. It's not going to be the sort of fall off that we had in the replay. You know, we're gonna get a team in there that's energized and committed and willing to have a cut. But we're probably still, if the truth was told, you know, a little bit below Galway. But on that day we weren't. We were vastly superior to them, in fact. But, you know, if you played that match ten times, you know, we do very well to win at five. I put it that way. And that's just the reality of, of it, you know, they're a bigger footballing county than us. And, um, but uh, I, I certainly didn't promise anyone we were going to win a kind of championship, but I did promise that we'd be in the final, and I did promise that we were going to give it an awful, an awful cut when we got there. Um, but there was a lot of people, you know, weren't willing to be patient and wait, wait, wait out that period of time. But thankfully, as I said, um, Seamus Sweeney and some of the executive were. Others well, in the executive were not. But um, Seamus was able to bring enough of them with him. And uh, I'm very grateful for that.
0: Was there a great sense of suppose, relief after a you know, beat hammering ball, if you like, nine points assault till not many Pruscom teams will do that in the future? Uh, with all the criticism that what happened through the National League, was it, was it just that weight off the shoulders?
1: Um, there was a great sense of relief and that's always with all major victories you know there is, but also you know once that had passed and we were in the dressing room and, and um, the cup was safely on the table uh, there was also a great sense of achievement you know like the players had. it was an incredible performance by our players like some of them were playing in Connacht kind of finals for the first time you know uh, some of the performances around the field that day were, were sensational, you know. Niall McInerney, I, I, I remember well. Sean Malule, John Mack uh, Connor Devaney, uh, the Martis, you know, and Enda Smith, Tiger O'Rourke midfield, fantastic. And I'm leaving fellas now immediately. I hate doing that, but like the whole team, we had at any one time on the field, we had twelve or thirteen lads making big contributions. And then if we took off a guy, I mean, we brought on Shane Cloran, and God Almighty, kicked massive. Point or points, I can't remember. We got one anyway, way out in the wing. Might have got two. Um, you know, uh, these sort of players, you know, Donny Smith, uh, etc. There were everybody was making a contribution. In other words, everybody on of Final Day made a big effort to uh, to win that match. You know, we, we we were everybody was making serious net contributions right around the field. And that's what allowed it. So I I know well the place, a nine-point win over a Galway or a Mayo team holds for any Roscommon team because it does not happen often. I think it was back in the 70s, if not the 60s, you know, that sort of a victory was last recorded. So um, it takes a serious effort to go down there. Uh, and, you know, it's it's over now. That period of my life has passed on. But I still reflect on it there as, like, I'm very proud of the manner in which we won that final. Like, it wasn't, you know, 13 men behind the ball uh, and trying to win it on the break or something. I mean, we just tore into it. And what's, what is forgotten very often is that we had seven, six or seven, horrendous wise in the first half, when we were four or five up. We could have had the game out the gate hammered in the first half. Um if we had been a little bit more clinical. Um so we were the we were the top team in that final just there was about a 10-15 minute period when Galway got back into it. But and then we cruised off again. Once Brian Stack got the goal it was nearly all over. But um yeah it was it was a great sense of of relief but accomplishment and I look back on it now to have won to have won a championship with that group was was great, and and they only showed how decent the group they are. They went on uh, to win it again in um, twenty
0: nineteen. Yeah, so you get Mayo then in the quarter final. Um, a bit like I said earlier, was again sort of the mindset that I think they drawn to Derry. they drawn with Cork. That obviously the bet them in extra time was a bit the sense that you could again almost nearly put them away and ends this sort of Mayo journey that's been going on six, seven years.
1: Yeah, and that again, that was a big part of the build-up again, that uh, they were vulnerable, they were hugely vulnerable. I was following them, obviously, closely. And the funny thing, I remember the night um, we won the Connacht Championship, uh, saying, when these qualifiers have made their way, I guarantee it's Mayo will we'll draw. I just, I, was, I just knew it, <laughs> it was going to happen. Uh, with myself and Liam uh, being involved on the other side, but I was really looking forward to it too because you know there's that part of you that wants to prove yourself, and um, and the team are as well because we had huge confidence now after the after the after the uh, Connacht win and of course we were going directly into the quarterfinals. Mayo were having a very arduous um, qualifier journey, and so we knew we were vulnerable. You know they had very little rest, they had a lot of extra times um in most of their games that were brought to the pin of their collar. And um our sense of it was this was a real opportunity. And being no doubt there, I mean, look at the tape sometime. Uh we had a massive opportunity. You know, we got the perfect start. Um we got a, a very fortunate goal by um uh, by by Finton, yeah. Uh, And uh, then we got a a lovely goal by um, uh, uh, not Jeremy, um, Kieran Murta. And we might have been six or seven, or five, I don't know what it was, but we were in a great position. And then we had three or four of the most stupid wides, you know, where we could have padded out that lead and got to seven or eight. And in fact, we sat down for, we didn't score for the guts of 30 minutes. You know, and that was, can't do that in Crow Park, especially when we got ourselves into a great position. Um, because, you know, the question marks had to be flashing in front of Mayo. Um, and for us then to let Keegan get the goal on the kick out, that was the killer. You know, but we had chances after that. We, we missed some nice easy point chances. Um, but in fairness, uh, again, um, when we got in at halftime, there was no sense that we were going to walk away from it. And we inched our way back into the match. Uh, and again at the very end guess who has the ball and about to attack it was us and uh, when the ref blew up the whistle I I did think that was a very um, a very unfair call by the ref uh, where he he blew the whistle back for for a free to Ross when we had actually offloaded the ball our overlap had started and uh, I think it was um, uh, Keith Higgins just dived a rugby tackle Sean Malooley There had been an interception. Mayo pass out of defence had gone astray and it had gone straight to, I think it was Sean. And Sean just got his hand pass off as Keith Higgins dived at him, but he had got it off. We were now on the counter attack and Joe Joe McQuillan blew it for a free. Now, we know, which was crazy because he should have let the play play out and yellow card him afterwards. And that was a chance to win it because we had, Doney had got the equaliser from the free just before that. Now, that's pushing it a bit to say, you know, we could have... Well, it's not pushing to say we could have beaten them, but it's pushing it to say we deserve to beat them because, you know, we hadn't played well enough really to win it. It was a poor game. And Oscommon Common just had not played well uh, in, in, in that final. Uh, and I don't know why that was. Um, I don't know why that was. Because we had a good team out. We had massive confidence. Maybe it was the Crow Park thing. Maybe it was the Mayo thing. I don't know. Um, but we got, an awful, we got an awful walloping in the replay. And you know you have that one chance to take down a big team, and we had it,
0: and uh, and and let it let it go. Suppose well, maybe overconfident is the wrong word to use, but I think he even made a few switches. I think Fintan Craig and Kieran Mercer were on the bench. Were you thinking that if we stay with these forty-fifty minutes that will drive it home in the last twenty?
1: Yeah, that was part of the thinking, but also part of the thinking, Dara, was you know a lot of our players haven't played well enough in the in the drawn match you know and we felt we had to shake it up and um, we felt there was a lot more from Finton and Ciarán you know uh, you know they would be very experienced players at that stage in terms of our team and um, despite the two of them they they got the the two goals early on obviously um, but we felt they were very quiet after that um, and just felt maybe a little bit of a switch up uh would do no harm and uh, and then have a serious bench you know the two of them obviously on the bench would help greatly uh, if we were in a position to push it home you know around the half time mark but of course the ball was burst and the game was over by half time in the replay so that was very disappointing that the two lads were coming on coming coming into the game at a time when essentially the game was over um, because the first half performance was was, was very poor, and, uh, and that certainly was disappointing. I thought there was more in us than that. Um, and then, you know, the fact that you're not competitive, kind of knocked not a lot of glass on final win in many ways, um, because we all wanted to beat Mayo. You know, there was common fans, especially the team and, and management. You know, we, it would have been a big feather in our, in, in our, in our cap if we could have, but it didn't, didn't come to
0: pass. Uh, so I suppose you go on to the next year, you get promoted uh, from back um, into Division 1. Um, you get Galway again in the kind of final, this time in the height. Um, you're up half-time by three points. You end up losing the game, I suppose. Would that be one of your biggest disappointments? Because watching it anyways, it felt like he had the game under control. Uh,
1: yeah, that's for sure. Um, again, it was a very solid season, the whole build-up to that final, Dara. Um, we'd won the um, we'd won the provincial league. We'd had a very decent league campaign in a difficult division two. Played some really good football to get out of it. Uh, we'd qualified for the Connacht final very impressively. You know we destroyed Leitrim. Uh, we were playing well in challenge games. We were in good shape for that final, um, but unfortunately we were missing a few key players. Um, Young Collins was still in in, in America. Sean Mullooly now was a huge loss at this stage. You know, we we essentially didn't have a centre-back and I had to put Finton into it. Um, And uh, that was a difficulty, you know, and ultimately it was a difficulty that cost us. You know, Shane Walsh, you know, uh, ran amok, really. Um, But at half-time... Uh, we were in a great position. We had the breeze as well. You we left that little bit out. <laughs> yeah, <definitely laughs> yeah. It yeah. Not, not only were we three up, um, but even more so. You know, you know the restrooms in the height are quite tight. There, we we could hear Galway were in disarray next door. Like they didn't know what end of them was up. Um, they played a really strange game. With they had had the breeze and they seemed to play a very defensive game. And Ciaran, um, I got a brilliant goal, wasn't it, Ciaran? Yeah, Ciaran, yeah. got a brilliant goal. On the end coming in from the end line, and we were in a great position, and um, uh, really felt this was going to nail it. Now, two two finals in a row, champions twice in a row, uh, and we came out um, for twenty minutes, first twenty minutes of the second half. The chances we threw away were shocking, you know, and we continued to throw away those chances right to the very end, you know. Um, I remember at the very end we were a couple of points down and. Um, Finn Barr Craig the Western Gales there, gave a fantastic pass in towards Germany I think it was and he mishandled his first touch It went in over the defence he had a great chance of a goal and he somehow just slightly mishandled his first touch and it just took the fantastic chance away from him small things like that uh, the penalty put us a point up Yeah, uh, Dave's penalty put us a brilliant one of the best penalties I ever saw taken in a final Um and you know, a chance to drive on. We lost the re- we lost the kick out. They went down and equalized. You know, couldn't hold on to the lead for more than thirty seconds. And you know, in all the games I was involved in, I don't know, maybe 40, 50 games. I must have been involved in over those three years. That is the one. That's the one that hurt me the most. Because if we'd won it, I definitely would have stayed on. We all would have, and had another crack. Uh, because we were then, you know, building something serious, obviously our inability to hold on to a kind of final that we were bossing for all intents and purposes was very disappointing. And and then our Super 8 performance mirrored that. Um again, you know, when you have a massive disappointment there in a big match, it is so hard to turn it around. So, so hard to turn it around. Um because you're you know you're giving so much to that game, you're building up to that big match, and you're pouring all your energy into it. And then, you know, and you're setting it as this is the game we must win. And then when you don't, you have to start, you know, the salesmen talk again. Well, okay, we the next one is the one we really must win, you know, and it just doesn't work that easy on the on the sporting psyche. And uh, so the Tyrone game, the Donegal game, the Dublin game, you know, they were a bridge too far for us. We weren't we weren't uh, able to compete in, in that Super 8 and a lot of our deficiencies, were exposed, you know, in terms of the way we set up, which was my responsibility, in terms of our strength and conditioning, in terms of, and, and I suppose in terms of where we were, you know, we were so disappointed after that kind of final. Like we, I would say, you ask any of those players uh, and say immediately, oh, threw that one away, left that one behind us, you know. Um, and I suppose when, he, when push came to show for me, then, you know, a few months later in terms of whether I was going to stay or not, that was a big, a big contributor to it. Um, you know, the disappointment of not being able to retain our title and just wondering had I brought them as far as I could bring them. You know, I had three years done with them. Um, we'd had a very good year in many respects. Uh, as I said, won the Provincial League, we won Division Two. We qualified for our first ever uh, top eight or whatever it was called, Super Eight. Uh, we'd had that game against Arma, which you might think would have cleaned out the tubes. Um, but it didn't really, for some reason. And we were very flat against the three teams and in the Super 8s. And so I think I just, you know, it had taken a lot out of me, the three years. Like there was no year easy. You know, the first year was the 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 um, the breakup of the management team. That was a very difficult year one. Year two was the constant uh, pressure of trying to do something with the team. And year three was that huge disappointment, and then I was I was having some small medical issues, and and I was I was exhausted after after the the three years. Um, I, I you know I, I I think I did realize how difficult it was going to be, but I didn't realize that it was going to be eighteen hours a day kind of stuff. Uh, and those eighteen hours are more difficult, you know. If you're a top team, you're winning seven out of ten matches. When you're a top ten team, you're only winning three out of the Ten matches. It's a different. It's a different world. You know, there's no match easy. You don't. You can't go into any match. You know, you can't play Sligo or Leitrim and, you know, take out a cigar and think life is cool here. it doesn't work. Like you know, these are going to be difficult games. Now, I doubt Eamon Fitzmaurice or Jim Gavin get too worried if they're coming down to play Leitrim. You know, that's an easy match for them. Uh, and 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 these are the realities. Like all our, we were, we were, stressed all the time as a group we never got to a comfortable stage you know where we were winning matches at our ease you know our games were over with 10-15 minutes to go it was none of that we weren't winning matches by big margins or <coughs> excuse me that type of thing so in, in the heat of the hunt and then there was a few players were heading off traveling which of course i totally respected and a few others were doing uh, some study a few lads were retiring uh, and so on and i just thought you know something now it's time for somebody else to have a go at this. And uh so I wanted to go on my own terms. I didn't want to be hunted out of the job. Um and I got a new extension from the chairman, uh, which was very, very um it was very satisfying for Seamus to make that offer. And I would always I would always say that about, about him. He was very honourable about the whole thing. Um, but I'd had enough. I, I couldn't, my family and I had agreed. I couldn't sustain it you know there was just too much going on uh too hard to keep it all all the parts together and um thankfully they made a great appointment they got anthony um eventually after going around the roundabouts and thinking they were going to be in a tough place um anthony got the appointment and and things just took off then again which was great
0: i suppose a quick word on how the team I suppose you've been watching them the last year or two how do you view them I suppose the best Mayo in Mayo like Galway in Galway so um, I suppose it was a good first year for them
1: and won, uh, won a Super 8 match as well Darren down in yeah, yeah. you know people forget that but the lads they go down and do it's like very easy to go down and not bother you know mm-hmm. that'll be the easiest thing in the world so my, my assessment is uh, they have definitely steadied Their setup is more defensive and harder to beat and break down. Um, It's not as nice on the eye, but I think everybody will be okay with that once you're winning more big games than you're losing. And I understand that totally. Um, The panel has been extended a bit. Uh, Connor Cox came in and did a really good job on it. Uh, Sean Maluli was back you know, he was a huge loss for me now in the 18. So he was back in 2019. He wasn't playing his best football, but he'd get back there. He's a, he's a marvelous player. He'd get back there. The Mertes had uh, decided to travel, I think, or or take a break anyway. And um, now it looks like 2020 will be a write-off. So Anthony should have the two lads, hopefully back and ready for action <clears throat> at the end of this year, early next year. Um, Carl Compton was beginning to show a bit of injury-free form. Another huge loss to me in 2018, Mm. which is forgotten about. You know, he was dominating that midfield at halftime. We got into the dressing room, and there was no way we could use him for the second half. You know, and he had been doing a really good job at midfield for us that day. Um, So, my overall assessment um, is that uh, they've done brilliant to win the title again in, in 2019. Uh, they've definitely toughened up um, they looked like they were going to get out of division two again really you know they got themselves back into a great position after a few wobble, wobble, wobbly um, uh, score lines uh, so everything was looking looking very good and they had Mayo at home isn't that right it was yeah yeah, right? yeah. Oh, well the Mayo would may- have to beat Leitrim I think yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well if we take it look, yeah. Mayo were capable of beating Leitrim nine times out of ten um and uh, we had them here in the height, which was going to be a massive chance uh, yeah. maybe to finally put an end uh, to that Mayo group um, but that won't be easy because they're real warriors I can tell you and uh, they are a very very strong group which you have to hugely admire so they won't they won't hand in their musket too easy I can assure you um, so th- I would say they've definitely moved on from my time you know they've matured as well. You know, they've all got a few years older and a bit wiser. And I think the big, the big thing that they, they the, the, the big chasm was in the strength and conditioning. And I, I don't say that against anybody, you know, because we had a super backroom team for strength and conditioning. But I think a lot of players, quite a few of them, were a little bit immature about it and hadn't embraced it. And therefore, as a result, uh, when it came to the big teams, weren't able to physically and uh, athletically and aerobically compete. And I think that has now been figured out by the vast majority of players. That, you know, you have to get to that level if you want to compete in the in the modern game. Like skill alone will not be enough. It just, you know, the scale will win it for you if you're able to compete in the first instance, but it, you can, it can't be done on its own. So I think the team has matured a lot. Uh, I see that, you know, even I, I was involved uh, on the peripheral um, supporting them in the in that um, Mayor's Common Hospice thing they did recently. You know, just things like that. You see, you know, where they're giving and they're thinking outside of themselves and um, they've been more of a group. I see their group morale is strengthened uh, a lot as well. And also there's a steady selection now, you know, John McManus could be back next year. McInerney could be back next year. Like we don't know how this uh, coronavirus year is going to recalibrate the minds of all these players. So Anthony might have a massive pick next year. You know, the injuries might heal up, um, etc. So I I think it's only it's only positive stuff. I hope to get a chance to get promoted out of that league and do the last matches. We we were actually getting ready to go to Armad that weekend. We're making a big weekend of it. Uh,
0: when when the curtain was pulled. Yeah, so I suppose we'll move on to I suppose the last part. Uh I you the challenge of um I suppose naming a best 15 was I suppose the difference was that you can only pick one player per county. So you had to think a bit harder about it. Um, so I suppose was it tough first of all?
1: Well you see a uh, couple of caveats here now when you said it to me I thought that'd be easy enough. But I forgot about uh, one per county. Like, I'll give you yeah. for instance. Uh, the ones I put Stephen Cluckson in goal, try I take out the rest of the double yeah. team? And, and yeah. I would probably pick 10 of them, if I'm truthful. Um, that was a difficulty. Uh, and then they had to be currently playing. Mm. So, like, if they retired four years ago, that was another uh, constraint, if you like. And then I decided myself, um, you know, you didn't say it to me, but um, I decided that I wouldn't pick a Common player. Um, you know I didn't think that would be fair Be you know like someone asking you who's your favourite child um, you know so I wasn't going to uh, I wasn't going to do that even though I would confidently say um, and at, at least three of them would hold their company on this team let me put it that way uh, of, of the of the current Trust Common team uh, would, would hold their own and it's like everything again for some reason There's massive uh, talent from the forward line-up, even when you have that one-player-per-county rule. Um, So it was difficult. It was. I I certainly found um, the midfield and defence changed a few times. I had about three goals at it. And, uh, of course, then you pointed out this morning that I picked both uh, Cullum Cavanagh and Pora Kamsi. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And I'm not allowed. So I had to to make a a late change, a late selection. Um, so, yeah, you have it there now. Um, do you want me to call it out or are you going to call it out?
0: Um, yeah, so I suppose you have Kluxen in goal. Um, would you say he's the greatest goalkeeper, I suppose, of all time, would you?
1: Oh, of all time, yeah. And way beyond goalkeeping, Dara. Uh, he's changed the game. He's changed yeah. the game for midfielders. He's changed the game for half forwards. He's changed the game for backs. Uh, he is. He's had the biggest influence on, on the playing of Gaelic football in the history of Gaelic football. Now, that's a fair tog, if you like. Um, and he has been an amazing guy. You know, uh, humble, quiet, efficient, ruthless, brilliant. He's been everything. He's been an outrageous captain for, for Dublin. Um, now, funny enough, uh, I could have actually dropped him because he's not currently playing <laughs> he 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 sat down for the league and uh, Evan Comerford mm. and yeah. got his jersey. So I did play around with the idea of dropping him so that I could maybe play Brian Fenton or somebody, or um, you know, might pick Karen Kilkenny up front or uh, that type of player. But anyway, no, I said I couldn't. Cluxton was just too good.
0: Yeah. So you have uh, Peter Kelly from Kildare, Killian Clark from Cavan, and uh, Jay Cullen from Fermanagh. Uh, what made you suppose pick them ones? Because
1: uh, I spent all my career as a full forward, corner forward player in around that area, and I have commentated and observed these fellas playing for the last uh, the last few years. Now Kelly got a dirty injury, but before that and after that, uh, and Colin and Hampsey did ate you, Dara. If you would have a a really difficult seventy plus minutes trying to get any change from them. Really good man markers, good footballers, tough, athletic, grizzly, sticky—all the things you hate <laughs> in a full back line. Um, uh,
0: sorry, not Hamsey. I dropped Hamsey, didn't I? Sorry, I did yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Cla- <laughs> Killian Clark in there. Yeah, did
1: you, I don't know. Did you say Hamsey or did I say Hamsey?
0: I think you yeah. said Hamsey. <laughs> I don't have a mind sheet anyways.
1: Okay, don't be afraid to correct me. i go on <laughs> um, No, Killian Clark, well, the same. For Killian Clark, it, you know, is a tough nut as well. Uh, probably more suited so to centre-back midfield, but I tried to keep them in positions that they normally played in. Yeah, because I had to drop Parry Hamsey because of Cullen Cavan at midfield. So, Killian Clark got that slot. Che um, Cullen could play, could play three as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Plays there for Fermanagh from time to time, but, I'd see him more as a cornerback. Um, Very good player. Very, very good player.
0: So then you have Lee Keegan from Mayo, Kevin McCurranon from Down, and Don Keoghan from Meath. I suppose I'd always say nearly Lee Keegan in the last 10 years has been Mayo's, for me anyways, their best, most consistent player. Would you go along the lines of that? Uh, And I'd go
1: further. Uh, The last 50 years, because I can go back that far, uh, he's been Mayo's best player. Yeah. Marvellous, marvellous player. Um, can, and that's going both ways now, Dara, which is not very usual in the modern game. You get a lot of halfbacks who are love going up the field and kicking a nice point and looping passes and being part of hand pass uh, drives at, at a defense. But remember, Lee Keegan has man marked the top players in the country the last four or five years. Um, he's just a brilliant player. Look at the amount of scores he's got in major games. Goals, points. Um, but i say he can do it both ways. And he's tough. Uh, and he's massively uh, athletic. Um, and he has massive mental strength. You know, you couldn't, you couldn't put him down. Um, I think Kevin McKiernan at uh, centre-back from down is a really, really good footballer. He can play midfield as well. Has played midfield. Lee Keegan played midfield actually, but he picked up um, he picked up uh, Enda Smith. Yeah. Uh, so, but that wouldn't be his position. He's, Lee is a wing back. Kevin McKernan can play midfield and can play it very well. He can play eleven very well, and he, I picked him at six, which he can play very well because he's he, he's absolutely a very very good footballer. And the same would be said for Donald Keegan, the the captain and wing back. He's a marvelous player as well. Beautiful um, pace on the ball. Uh, you know, it can really get from the wing-back high up the field very fast, very incisive player, very tidy player. And uh, um, that wing-back line is probably the most important line in, in in your team, one I'd be very conscious of if I was managing a team or coaching a team, trying to get a very solid half-back line in place. And um, I wouldn't mind going to battle with Keegan, McKiernan and, and Keogan. I can tell you.
0: Yeah, so you have um, Colin Kavanagh and uh, Gary Brennan Claire in the midfield. Um, Gary Brennan actually played in that Clare Roscommon game with Carl O'Connor. Um, would you say he is one of the best midfielders in the country, regardless of what county?
1: One hundred percent. So I've I've seen him play up close. Uh, I've watched him playing um, when Roscommon weren't involved, you know, in, in in other games, and he is. He is clear, clear football. You know I see he's taken a year out this year as well. Um he's a brilliant player. Like he's lovely height for midfield, you know, he's six three ish I'd say. Yeah. Very mobile, but he's beautiful touch on the ball, lovely hands, um, lovely kicker of the ball, uh, Solo solos well, you know. Um, yeah, you know, he's just a complete midfielder, a big boy, and he's been carrying uh, well that's unfair because clear have had a really good team the last few years. He hasn't been carrying them, but like he is their go-to man he's the kind of industry now of Roscommon if you like he um, he is the go-to man really and he's a marvellous player like he's played international rules you know if he was with Kerry or Cork or Mayo he'd be an absolute search uh, I remember having long chats with Liam McHale seeing could we get Gary Brennan uh, up to Roscommon because he's a teacher you know and uh, Liam was very pally with him from his clear days Liam was coaching down in clear and uh, we certainly we thought about it for a month but reckoned he wouldn't leave and we never, we never made the approach but um, he's a brilliant player and his partner Colin Kavanagh from Tyrone is just the complete team player uh, very underrated player probably coming to the end of his career now as Gary is I guess a lot of those players I picked actually are coming to the end of their careers um, and uh, but Jay Kavanagh again she hot a what a player What a player, you know, Sean, his brother, you know, okay, he was a superior player to Cullum, there wasn't much in it, Um, Cullum Cavanagh, that role that Tyrone had for him, um, was great, but I often thought it took away a lot from Cullum Cavanagh. Cullum Cavanagh would be a top midfielder in any era, real marvellous workhorse, incredibly committed to Tyrone and passionate about playing for them, and... When he played a championship game, he emptied the tank. He gave it everything he had. Um, no no um, ego with him. Just get on with it. And he gave everything he had for Tyrone. So I admire him greatly.
0: Uh, so on the half-forward line, you have uh, Rian O'Neill from Armagh, Michael Murphy, Tony Gall, and uh, Shane Walsh Galway. It's not a bad half-forward line.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of scores in them as well. We yeah. don't have us in the modern... And half forward line. I'm, I'm always keen to try and pick half forwards who contribute on the scoreboard I think it's a big mm. part of their game even though a lot of it these days now is you know reversed back into the half back line seems to be their first move now Rean O'Neill that wouldn't be his natural home but I had to mm. pick him there because he ran out of space in the full forward line which more of that and on um, but Rean O'Neill is probably Darryl, I don't know how much you're following him or not but he's okay. on the next superstar the you know himself and Clifford are going to be the, probably the sports next two superstars it'll all depend on how far Armagh uh, come now in the next year or two Clifford is obviously already there because Kerry are always there yeah. um, but this Reno Neal is sensational you know because um, he, he's big he can mind himself he can look after himself he won't take any nonsense from anybody but uh, he is a great he, he is a great um, touch on the ball uh, explosive kicker of the ball, um, so he's, going, he's He's impossible to mark. He, he has some massive moves. A very powerful player. Murphy at eleven is the best player in Ireland, uh, has been for some time. The best overall player, you know, as in his contribution from that diamond there, the six midfield eleven diamond, is just phenomenal. I mean, if you were at the Mayo Donegal match last year in the qualifiers down Castlebar you would have seen one of the all-time performances by one player to keep his team afloat. And then Shane Walsh. Now, I said Reno Neal is the next superstar. He's younger than Shane, of course, but Shane Mulch could be the next superstar too. It all depends what Galway go on to do now. Um, but we saw enough of him in 2018. He kind of took over that comic final uh, to a large degree. Um, but we knew about him. But up to then, he'd been a little bit flaky. You know, he had been hot and cold and he needed a very solid kind of final and unfortunately for us, he, he did that in a bit more um, and he's moved on from it. This year now, his league this year was tremendous. You know? So, he, 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 he could be a real star as well. Like, he's certainly heading in the right direction.
0: Yeah, even technically, I think he's one of the best in the country because he takes all the frees. He takes either left foot or right foot. Like, not many players take the ball and left foot, right foot and freeze.
1: Yeah, it's a marvellous skill. And uh, the confidence as well is important. I just got a bit of low battery there, Darren, sorry. Oh. Um, uh, about 10% battery left, so we better bring this to a conclusion. I think we're nearly there anyway. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Shane, Shane um, is a marvellous skill. So his movement on the ball, he's very fast on the ball. And he's both sides, because he's left and right. So he's very hard to mark, because you don't know is he's going to go left or right. And then, as you said, the that skill he has with uh, both feet from uh, taking the ball off the floor for Freeds is is marvellous um, and having the having the confidence and uh, the bottle to do it even when the frees alright taking them when you're seven points ahead when you're a point down and you're taking them with your wrong foot um, is a fair talk uh, so yeah that's rene Neil Michael Warfie, oh wow, and you love that half forward line
0: yeah it's not bad full for forward line you have uh, David Clifford Brian Harleaf, Cork, and Conor McManus. So, um, I suppose, why then?
1: Well, I'll start with Conor McManus because he's probably, um, let's say he's probably the best footballer ever to come out of Monaghan. Now, that'd be interesting. Maybe my Monaghan friends would would <laughs> uh, would correct me on that. But I played against Monaghan a lot in the 80s and they've got some very good players now. They really had some very good players. But um, I think Manus is... McManus unreal um and David Clifford is in the other corner so two and and he's a kid dog corner and Connor is a right footer like it's the perfect balance um and Clifford looks like he could be anything you know he's he's way ahead of Mikey Shee at least at this stage of his career now you know yeah he hasn't won the Lardons yet but that's not his fault let me put it that way um if, if if he has the career he's likely to have, I you know he he just could be anything. He he could end up with anything this because, um, I have a sense that this Kerry team are going to grow very quickly now and dominate in much the same way that Dublin are currently. I think there's going to be a transition over the next uh, year or two. Uh, in fact, that could have been happening during the league of 2020. We'll never know now. Um, but I think there's so much class and style. And ability in this current Kerry team, that it's likely they're going to take over big time as well for a period, um, because of a very young profile, uh, and they have some star players like Sean O'Shea, David Clifford, etc. A little bit question mark about their midfield perhaps, but uh, Clifford in one corner, Connor in the other. 100. I mean, they'd score about 3-10 between the Maniers. So that would win the match for you uh, straight away. And I didn't even count anything on that half-forward. And that half-forward, I mm-hmm. did score about 10 points between them as well. <laughs> and then Brian <Bright> Hurley. <coughs> Brian Hurley at full forward, um, I think is a marvellous player. Like for a big boy who looks, he always looks, he's a bit out of condition to me. Yeah. But he's, a, he's, he's I had a very heavy score and loves scoring goals. You know, that's mm-hmm. what I like but, you won't you won't die wondering about whether he'd tap it over the bar or put it in the back of the net? So that is a sensational full forward line. Um, and bear in mind now, you put me under awful pressure by saying only one player from each county. Um, and yet it was good fun, it's a different way of looking at it. Um, and I think every one of them, if you were that 15 for 12 months, how trained they are, the height you'd put them into some formidable unit by the end of it, wouldn't
0: you? Oh, you would. It wouldn't be too far off and All Ireland. You're far I mean. off anything. No. Yeah. Uh, so I think we'll just wrap it up there, Kevin. Thanks very much for joining me.
1: Well, Darren, my pleasure. And good luck with this. And uh, yeah, very nice to talk to you.
0: So uh, yeah, keep an eye on my channel. I have more videos coming soon. Thanks very much.